I'm so super excited that you guys are joining us literally from all across the country and all across the world. Thank you for connecting and engaging with us. Uh, the other day I heard that we have a, an amazing uh, person that's watching us all the way from Germany. Hey, so those of you watching from Germany, God bless you. I want to give a shout out to the folk who are part of our San Jose campus. You get what's up, San Jose? Uh, it's so excited that you guys are joining us in San Jose. Uh, kudos to Pastor Tilding and that amazing team that he's working with building community there in San Jose. I also want to give a shout out to those of you who are sitting on the patio watching this outside in Redwood City. What's up, Redwood City? <laughs> Thank you guys for being a part of what God is doing all across the Bay, Redwood City, San Jose, and beyond. Listen, just before we get kicked off with this very special uh, word that I want to share today, I want to just announce that next week I'm starting a very important series that I'm calling uh, Winning the Battle in Your Mind. You know, our minds in this season, uh, they are being in, uh, assaulted by all kinds of stuff from the outside. And our minds are being challenged by all kinds of stuff that rises up from the different ways that we're broken on the inside. Confusion and, and, and temptations and all that kind of stuff. So there ever was a time we need to figure out how to utilize our faith and our spirituality and our relationship with God to win the battle of our minds. It's now. So whatever you do, make sure you don't miss next weekend. All right. I'm super excited to jump into the teaching of this particular passage. You know, if I had to have a big idea for this message, uh, I, I would call it this. Right? The secret to living an empowered, high capacity, rejuvenating life in tough times. Okay, let's hear what the psalmist has to say. Psalms 42, one of my favorite passages, and listen to what the psalmist writes. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? There ends the reading. You know, on last week, uh, in one 24-hour period, I counseled and cared for three women who were mothers who, had, who were grieving the deaths of their beloved adult daughters who had just died a few days earlier. One daughter died of cancer. One died of COVID. The other died after being tragically hit um, in a car accident. Horrendous. Just Horrendous. That was in one 24-hour period. And as I came out of that space uh, and thinking about moving forward, uh, it, the Lord showed me that I probably need to spend some time in that weekend, that week's uh, devotion with our staff because if that reflected my day. It was also a reflection of all their days. I just want to take a moment for a minute and just just celebrate the entire team that works with us here at NBCC. Not only those who are part of our full time staff, but those amazing volunteers who are who are just in here with us uh, day after day and week after week, helping us to care for people and to guide folk and to express the love of Jesus Christ in very concrete ways, both near and far. I've got the best team on the planet. I just want to tell you guys, I'm so proud of you. I love you. And uh, if you guys know some of our staff members or some of our volunteers who are working uh, on a regular basis with us, just send them a note and let them just say thank you. 
But it dawned on me that if I was managing that kind of uh, high-level tragedy and trauma, so is it with my staff, my team. And that, that the moment had come for me to just talk to them out of the text about h- how to have a sustaining life in the midst of such, such challenge, challenging time. And the Lord showed me, I went back, I go to this text regularly. Over the last 30 years, if we've gone through it, and I've passed it through many difficult seasons, I end up in this text. And this passage, when combined with the Gospel of John, chapter 7, there, there is a hidden insight here, guys. I'm telling you. That if we can access it, and this is what I was trying to teach my staff, that we'll find what we need to live empowered, high capacity, watch this, rejuvenating lives in difficult seasons, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. Because check it out. I just told you what I'm going through, what our staff is going through. You're going through the same stuff. It may look different. It may feel a little different, right? But we're running harder. We're running faster. We're working harder. Uh, and we're working on the unprecedented uh, uh, burdens of trauma and difficulties like never before. And so many of you, like those of us in ministry, you're burning a candle at both ends. This message is for you. Now, I like how the psalmist begins. You know, he starts off uh, with these words. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee. The imagery is powerful, right? The imagery is really, at least in my imagination, I can see the deer uh, who's being chased by hunters who are trying to take his life. And maybe after 45 minutes, an hour, he finally uh, loses them and he comes out in the clearing. The deer happens to be here in California. He comes out and he's looking for water brooks where he regularly gets water because he's thirsting, he's panting. But, you know, we're in a drought here. So the places where those water brooks normally are, they're dried up. The psalmist would want us to hear the deer as he's panting, sense the, the dryness of his throat and the desperation of his life. And he says, you know what? That deer is very reflective, the psalmist says, of his soul. And it's very reflective of your soul and my soul. You know, that, that, that inward, spiritual, eternal part of our lives that only another spiritual reality can attend to. So here's the first question that I want you to ask uh, yourself. I want to ask you, is your soul thirsty? And then there's another way to look at this text. And as I was preparing it to work with our team, I saw this insight, right? Here's what the psalmist says. Notice uh, the psalmist. He says, as the deer pants for the water brooks. And, you know, you think about the, the deer as an analogy for the soul. But this popped out at me. For many of us, The better analogy is the water brooks. You see, our lives are water brooks and the deers represent all of the different people and all of the different relationships and all of the different responsibilities that drink from our lives. And when you have that much drinking from your life, it's possible, especially in exasperating seasons like we live into through, it's possible for you to wake up and discover that your water brook has run dry. Check this photo out. This is a photo of um, Lake Shasta here in California at a time when the water is plentiful. 
It is very reminiscent of, of kind of how our lives look and how our lives feel when, when we are full of what I want to call living life. Yeah, 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 that, that, that our, our lives are full, right? It's fresh. Uh, our imagination is bright. Our creativity is abundant. Our, our, our judgment and our decision-making capacity is sharp. That our lives are full of joy and dreams and high hope. That's what it looks like. But then as the deers come, come on, and drink from, from our brooks, are you listening? And in, in, in exasperating seasons where, 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 where we're not getting water to replenish what we're giving out and the sun is, 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 is drawing out of us, then this picture becomes this picture. Same place, 2016, in the midst of a drought all that water is gone. All that's left is the sand and the rocks and that's, that's been beaten thin by the heat of the, of the sun. You know, when our lives become empty brooks, you know, that's when depression and despair tempts us and begins to try to take us over. When our lives become empty brooks, that's when we find ourselves struggling the worst and sometimes our lives are empty brooks but we're just not aware of it because we're not in touch with our souls we're not in touch with our spirits so here is the question that i want to ask you it's another way of reframing the earlier question here it is here is your water brook empty is your water brook empty you know you know let's think about all of the different ways that uh, those that you love and responsibilities that you're engaged with are drinking from your water brook. You know, that student who's trying to balance honor courses with all of the challenges of life, whether they be in high school or college, I just want you to know it's possible for you to wake up and discover your brook is empty. That grandparent who's trying to work with grandkids and trying to help uh, in the raising process while also trying to care for adult children who are going through all kinds of traumas and challenges. I just want you to know you can wake up and your brook be empty. Those uh, educators and nonprofit leaders who are always pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, trying to make good decisions, trying to raise the resources, trying to educate the next generation. I just want you to know that you can wake up and your brook can be empty. Doctors and nurses and, and, uh, and, and healthcare workers who find themselves uh, in the center of horrendous controversy around, uh, around uh, vaccines and treatments and all of that kind of stuff, or inundated, depending on what state you lived in here in America, with trying to care for folk and running out of beds. Oh, I know you know what it's like to wake up and your brook be empty. Uh, that person, you may be a spouse or a partner or a lover, you're engaged in a relationship and, and, and you're trying to reach a standard. But, but every time you wake up trying to do better, trying to live better, trying to make better decisions, it's never good enough. It's never perfect enough. It never actually hits the spot. And, and, and I, it's possible that, that, that your brook is empty. And I just want to say to you, it's dangerous to live out of an empty brook. 
Because if we're not aware that our brooks are empty, if we're not aware that, that our souls are thirsty, we'll find ourselves gravitating towards the toxic. We'll find ourselves trying to fill our lives up with, with, with that which will damage us in the long run. You'll, we'll find ourselves undermining our dreams with the decisions that we make. It is dangerous to live out of a dried up brook. And here's where, uh, so here's the question. What do you do when your brook runs dry? Now, the first part of the answer to that question, we find in what the psalmist says. Notice that the psalmist is aware that his brook has run dry. Notice that the psalmist is aware that his soul is thirsty. But he's, he's, he, he, not only is he aware that the soul is thirsty, that the brook is dry, he knows what he's thirsting for. He knows that what he's thirsting for is not alcohol, it's not drugs, it's not sex. He knows that what he's thirsting for is not more food, more desserts, more sweets. He knows that what he's thirsting for is not more money or fame. He knows that the part of him that is thirsting is not the physiology part of him, not the biology part of him. Come on now. But it's that part that, that links the biology to the psychology. It is the invisible, the internal, the eternal part of him on the inside. It is spirit, longing for spirit. So he says, my soul thirsts not for money, not for alcohol, but my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He knows what he's thirsting for. The first part of this message is to make you aware that your brook is dry, make you aware that your soul is thirsty. And the secondly is to help you to calibrate what you're really thirsting for. You can't meet it with food or drink or more clothes or more money. It requires a spiritual connection. Well, what do you do when the brook runs dry? Well, first starts with recognition. Then second, it, it requires you to hear, come on, the ever resounding invitation of Jesus. We find him here in John. Uh, and, and notice what the writer says. It's on the last day, the climax of the festival. Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowd. I like this. On the last day, the climax of the festival, they are there in Jerusalem. And, and the Jewish community has gathered from different parts of the world, have showed up there uh, in Jerusalem. They've enjoyed uh, you know, all of the religious activity for that week, all of the rituals and the religious activities. Uh, and, 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 and now it's at the apex. And when Jesus can get everybody's attention and the text says he stands up and he shouts out to the crowds. Come on now. You're in the crowd. If you're watching from San Jose, you're in the crowd. If you're watching uh, 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 out on the patio from Ridwood City, you're in the crowd. That lady that's watching from Germany, you're in the crowd. That person is sitting and watching from your living room or sitting in your bed and watching maybe at a late night. You just stumbled across our YouTube channel. You're in the crowd. And here's what Jesus is crying out to you. He says, Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Now, I want, to, I want you to notice the context. Two things here. I think when he cries this out, it was an invitation where people were welcome to come to him then. But this was really about the future. See, they were already full. 
In a sense, they were sitting in church, y'all. Come on. In a sense, they were engaged in worship. They were already full, but they were going to leave Jerusalem and return to living real life in all of the desperate parts of the world from which they had come from. They would be dealing with oppression. They would be dealing with family relationship challenges. Come on. Some of you are dealing with the struggle of, of caring for aging parents. Others are dealing with the struggle of just trying to manage homework with this child and, and, and make sure that the other child is headed in the right direction. Come on, come on. But, 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 but as they deal with real life, he knew that they would wake up one day far away from Jerusalem, far away from the church service. Come on now. Far away. They haven't seen the YouTube in a while. And there their brooks would be empty. And he says, I want you to remember the echo of my everlasting invitation for you. Anyone, shout anyone, anyone, no matter who you are. If you're thirsty, he says, come to me. You're welcome. Come to me. If your soul is thirsting, come to me. There's only one condition. Watch this in the next verse. This is what he says. Anyone who believes in me, he says, you got it. All you need to do is just believe that I'm what you're looking for. <laughs> if you believe that I'm what you're looking for, then come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Did you catch it? All right. First of all, Come if you can believe I'm what you're looking for. Well, why is Jesus what we're looking for? Well, here's what the, the gospel writer John who wrote this. He starts the book by describing Jesus as the logos, that Greek principle, the organizing principle of life itself. Uh, it translates into the word. He says, and the word in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. All things were made uh, by him. Without him was not anything made that is made. Watch this. And in him was life. Stop. You know what John is saying? John is saying that Jesus in the fullness of his deity is the source of life itself. So the reason why you need to return to Jesus is because from time to time, we've got to return to the source. Come on now. Secondly, he says, anyone who believes in me, and I just want to highlight this. I had a conversation with someone the other day, uh, years ago, and, and I asked him, I said, well, do you believe in, in Jesus? He said, well, I don't believe in Jesus. I said, well, don't worry about it. He believes in you. That when you come to the God who shows up in Jesus, you're coming to someone you don't have to persuade. You don't have to convince. He knows you from the inside out. Come on now. He sees you. He hears you. He knows where your soul is exasperated. He knows where your spirit is dehydrated. Come on. And he has the power to rejuvenate you from the inside. Why? Because if I believe in him, come on, he's no longer just an external relationship. He moves into the interior of my life. And then he says, if you come out of your belly will flow rivers, shout rivers, not just a river, but rivers, a, a flow, a replenishing flow for your soul. You know, I, I read this and I think about growing up in the country and I lived during the times that we had some, uh, we didn't have city water. If you're out in the country, you had these electric pumps. But a lot of people still had hand pumps. And I was always fascinated how the hand pumps would work. 
You know, you, 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 if you start pumping it, oftentimes it would just be empty. Nothing would come. But if you would get just a little water and pour into the mouth of the pump and start the pump, in just a few seconds, there's a mechanism that would catch and something would happen beneath the, the ground. And then the, 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 the handle would get heavy and then you start pumping and then gushes of water would come. <laughs> here's, the, here's the first secret to living an empowered, high capacity, rejuvenating life. Jesus is saying, uh, essentially, he's the pump. His presence is the pump. And that your task is to pour your time into his presence. And as you pour your time into his presence, come on now. Uh, uh, he who lives within, come on, will, 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 will allow rejuvenation to come like rivers from within. <laughs> I hope you can see it. Praise God. So that's the first part of the secret. Learn to pour your time into his presence. And then notice what the psalmist no, 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 notice what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, okay, pastor, you've convinced me. I, you, you're right. You see, I knew what I was looking for. I knew I was looking for God. And then, then, then he captures you. You're watching me and you're saying, okay, in San Jose and River City, you're saying, okay, you got me. I want to pour my time into the presence. But now you sound like the psalmist says, my soul thirsts for God. You say, I get it now. For the living God. Come on, the source of life, life itself. But here's my problem. When, shout when, when shall I come appear before him? When, when, when I'm so busy. I got so much activity going on. I got my schedule. Is in. Where can I find the time to pour some time, vital quality time into the presence of Jesus so that what is within me, come on now, can come out? Where, when, when, when? That's the dilemma. That is the dilemma. You know, last week, leading into this time, I started returning. Over the last couple of weeks, I started returning to the office at the, in our building. Saying, I'm the only one there. You know, most our people still work from remote. In the first couple of days, I had no public schedule. I had all these tons of things I needed to do. But I designated some time that I was going to make sure that I spent time with Jesus. And, and for the first two days, I did just that. 30, 45 minutes just came into the sanctuary where I'm here to spend time with him. And to be quite frank, there was nothing, you know, per se supernatural that I experienced in that moment. Everything was quiet and, and, and all of that. But when I exited the moment, I discovered that my capacity had grown. That the stuff that used to get on my nerves just the day before wasn't getting on my nerves. That where my energy was dropping, come on now, and, the and despair and depression was knocking at the door. All of that had been pushed back. And I, I discovered that in going because there was an infeeling that took place by my pouring time into his presence. A quiet infeeling. The next couple of days, I said, oh, wow, this is great. But I did not designate the time. And I got there early in the morning, and by the time of late evening, the whole day had passed, no time with Jesus. Next day, I said, I'm going to fix that. The whole day passed, no time with Jesus. Wow. You see the difference? What, what was the difference? The question 
in those last two days is when shall I come and appear before God? And embedded in this is the next insight. Watch it. Uh, uh, you, you know when? Schedule it. You've got to schedule it. I scheduled the first couple of days and it was there. The second couple of days, I thought I was just going to make it happen. And it never happened. Shout, schedule it. You've got to schedule it. God models this in Genesis. Notice what it says in Genesis. After he is, you know, after six days creates, lays out creation. Then the, then the Genesis writer says this. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. On the seventh day, God models, in a sense, resting, watch this, and being with himself. In a sense, in my mind, he expended so much energy in the work of creation of all of the universe and all of the planets and all of the galaxies that he needed to spend some time. The, the, the word is rested, y'all. I, 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 to, to, in a sense, to regenerate, to rejuvenate, to, to, be, to restore and he's spending that time with himself. Wow. <laughs> Watch this. In the next verse, it says, not only does he models it, but he teaches us that you've got to schedule it. Watch this. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day he rested from all of his work of creation. Blessed the seventh day, declared it holy. He set it aside. And as a result, it became the fourth commandment that the Jewish people was called to remember. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In other words, God says, I've scheduled it. I'll put it on your, on your liturgical calendar. I've scheduled it. The insight is if you're going to be rejuvenated by your time with Jesus, you've got to schedule it. So I'll give you the same challenge I gave my team this past week. Look at your calendar every day and carve out schedule 30, 40 minutes that you're going to spend with Jesus. Carve it out. What are we scheduling? Well, here it is right here. We are scheduling you know, Sabbath days and Sabbath months ultimately. Sabbath days, that's, that's uh, you know, when I went to Jerusalem, I was, I, 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 uh, many years ago, their Sabbath started Friday night and goes to Saturday evening. Friday night was jubilant. Was, the work week was over. Saturday was quiet. It reminded me of growing up in Cushada where everybody worked from Monday to Friday. Saturday they went shopping. And even if you didn't go to church on Sunday, you knew it was a day of rest and rejuvenation. You and I need to return to a practice of scheduling margin in our lives. That's another way of talking about it. Sabbath days for real rest and reconnecting and renewing with families. I'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But what I just modeled for you that's happening every day of my uh, 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 what I'm challenging my staff to do is to schedule Sabbath moments. 30 minutes, 40 minutes in each day, that place where you're revitalized, that place where Jesus rejuvenates you, that place, come on now, where your imagination is replenished. Sabbath moments. 30, 40 minutes. I want you, before the end of this day, schedule the next week. Give it a shot. That place. You know, here's the quiet invitation again. Let me just remind you what Jesus says. Here it is. Anyone who believes in me, come and drink. Watch this. Rivers of living water will flow from you. So here's what I want you to do, guys. Find a place that you're going to spend with Jesus. And, and you may approach it differently. There's no perfect way to do it. 
You know, one, one, one person may approach uh, the place that they spend with Jesus uh, by simply uh, by reading scripture. I was talking to a young lady. Next slide. I was talking to a young lady uh, who the other day told, was saying, well, you know, I'm going to spend my time. She's on our staff just reading scripture. I said, great, but do it in dialogue with Jesus. Acknowledge the presence of Jesus. And as you read scripture, engage him in the dialogue. Listen for his voice in the reading. Uh, another person may say, I'm just going to listen to Christian music. Okay, yeah, but do it in, in the presence of Jesus. Do it in relation as you, as you engage in those worship songs. Engage the Jesus who is the subject of the songs. Come on, guys. Some folks say, I'm just going to write journals in my, in my time, and I'm going to reflect on my thought. Well, yeah, but do it in relationship with Jesus. What is he saying to you? What is he speaking to your spirit? Others say, well, I'm going to take a walk. Somebody else says, well, I'm going to do a job. Well, that's fine, but do it in relationship with Jesus. And as you do all of that, don't forget the power of waiting. Everybody shout waiting. Don't just jump into the activity, but create a little space. If you're going to spend 40, 45 minutes, spend about five minutes in a waiting posture that says, Lord, here I am. Fill this place with your presence. Let me wait in silence. Let me slow my breathing and focus myself. I, 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 wanna, I, 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 I want you just to fill this place with your presence. Shout wait. Allow yourself some waiting time. Notice how this shows up in, 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 the, in, the, in the scripture. The psalm that says this, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. First the waiting, and then after the waiting, it says, and he shall strengthen your heart. The strength comes after the waiting. Wait, he says. Notice what the writer of Isaiah says. Notice that he starts, he says, he says Isaiah, Isaiah, next, next, next slide. He says, but those who wait on the Lord, there it is, out of the waiting Here's what God will do. He will renew your strength and you'll be able to mount up on wings like eagles. Uh, 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 and next slide. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. First the waiting, then comes the power. The power. The power. Praise God. Oh, let me end here. I, one of my favorite hymns that really reflects the hymn writer wrote this out of his own experience of, of, of being alone with Jesus. It's called In the Garden. I just, I just commend it to you. But, but, but he, he, he says, share with them my experience. I can almost hear the hymn writer. I, I just love the hymn. Here's what the hymn writer says. He says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks out in the early morning by himself. He's saying... He says, he says, he says, and the voice that I hear falling on my ear, it's the son of God disclosing. He says, I engage in a dialogue with him. I, I, I'm hearing his voice. And, he, and then he goes on and says, and you know what he does? He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry, as we wait, as we hang out together, none other has ever known. In other words, that's the testimony of a person who's living an empowered, high-capacity rejuvenated life because he's learned how to pour his time into the presence of a Jesus who says out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Oh God, give us the discipline to go from hearing to doing and then meet us in those moments. Fill us in those moments. 
empower us, rejuvenate us as we schedule it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, here's your opportunity to take a significant step in response to the message that you just heard. So take out your smartphone, aim the camera of your smartphone at the QR code right here on the screen. It's going to take you to our connection card. And from there, you'll see next steps with Jesus. I want you to focus on that. For somebody, your next step with Jesus right now is to surrender to that whisper in your spirit that says, trust Jesus. This is your moment to surrender your destiny to the one who wants to hold your future in his hands, Jesus. Why don't you go ahead and check that box and say, right, I want to be a Jesus follower. And our team will follow up with you to provide some support. There's some other options there as well. Also, I want you to keep your camera out and take a picture of this response to the message. It's really a prayer, as we do every week. And here's the prayer that I want to encourage you to pray throughout this week. Go ahead and pray it with me now. Let's pray it together. God, meet me in my Sabbath moments and renew my soul. All right. Also, take a picture of this reflection question that's popping up right now. What time will I schedule my daily 30 minutes of Sabbath moments? Now, here's the deal. As soon as this broadcast goes off, I want you to take out your schedule on your phone and, for the, and schedule the next five days forward that 30 minutes that you're going to spend time with Jesus. Go ahead and do that. Do not put it off. All right.